Hey everyone, my name is Asher Roddy. And this is Tyler Whipple. Welcome to Talking Two-Tone. We're thrilled to bring you a new and thought-provoking podcast that talks all things Tennessee Titans. Go ahead and reserve your ticket now. It's going to be an incredible journey. Tighten up. Hello, guys. Welcome back to Talking Two-Tone. I'm Tyler Whipple. I'm joined by my good buddy and the best co-host in the game, Asher Roddy. Another two-week hiatus, guys. Uh, there's some things going up in the schedule for both of us, so we, we've kind of been going at two weeks, but we're going to get back into the swing of things here soon, hopefully, and get us a, a get y'all guys a pod out once a week. But uh, let's go right into the big story of Titans this offseason so far, and that's A.J. Brown's contract situation, Asher. Yeah, it's um, it's not something I'm really worried about. Um, Tennessee's not going to make any moves till after June 1st. They just don't have the money. Um, once Julio Jones' contract is officially off the books, uh, that won't won't happen. We won't see that $9.5 million that we saved by cutting him until post-June 1st because, remember, they de- they designated him a post-June 1st cut. So that's more than likely when you're going to look at the – that's the timeline. They, of course, you can have a verbal agreement, you know, sides are expected to reach a deal after a certain date, like the deal is done. Um, but, you know, the, the signatures won't go on it until at least after June 1st. So let's just go ahead and, you know, thumbnail that. Uh, that That's very important because, you know, the longer this goes on, the pe- more people are going to just get to Twitter, get Twitter fingers and start tweeting dumb shit out there. AJ's going to be anywhere, like I said, uh, I've gone on record and said it before, anywhere from 21 to $24 million is where AJ Brown's sweet spot is. And the reason why – um, I think it would be ideal for Tennessee to do this verbal agreement on a contract extension beforehand, like bef- sooner than later, because whoever goes first is going to kind of shaft themselves out of a little bit of money here. Um, so that that that's something to keep an eye on. Um, I really want Washington to extend Terry McLaurin first. I would love to – I would – you know, obviously, aside from A.J., because I think Scary Terry is arguably the second best receiver out of that draft class. I think AJ is number one because um, Terry's done this with every you know, horrible quarterback play, awful, and he still puts up incredible numbers. Um, but no, it, that's why you know if Terry goes, for, he's he's similar to AJ in in that sense. You know, they put up similar numbers; they're utilized in a similar way. Um, DK Metcalf, I think, is going to command the most money because they don't have to pay Russell Wilson anymore and they don't really have any big contracts. I think DK is going to ultimately get the most money, even though I think he's the worst of that draft class. Um, and, yeah, that's going to be a flaming hot take for a lot of people. But I think DK Metcalf is the fourth best res- receiver from that class. Um, if I'm ranking him, I'm going AJ, Terry, Debo, and then um, DK. Uh, because DK has been blessed with Russell Wilson as his quarterback for his entire career. Um, but anyhow, no, AJ is going to get anywhere between 21 to $24 million um, per year. Now the guaranteed money is obviously the most important part. I could see him getting anywhere from like 60, 70 million guaranteed. Um, four year extension is, is going to be pretty typical. I'd be shocked if it was anything less than three, because there's really no point in doing anything less than three. But, no, that's kind of where I stand at. I'm not worried at all. It's going to happen. He wants to be a Titan. 
Um, Tennessee wants him, Vrabel and Robinson. Vrabel said as long as I'm the head coach, A.J. Brown's going to be a Titan. So unless they're planning on firing Vrabel and not re-signing A.J. Brown, like unless I'm missing something, I think A.J. is going to be a Titan for the foreseeable future. Yeah, and I on the fronts, you just you just mentioned. I mean, we're we're usually in unison on all the thoughts we have on the this podcast. But but one thing I think that is there's two points I like this. Um, it's oh, it's just an interesting tidbit to this whole situation. Terry McLaurin, AJ Brown, and um, <clears throat> Devo Samuel are all represented by the same agent. So I think they're using all the same tactics here, and I think that goes a long way. People don't realize that. Um, they're, if you look at it, how they've done the thing, they're all kind of doing the same thing. They kind of wipe their social media from the team, uh, acting disgruntled. I think Debo may actually have some problems since he has demanded a trade. But I think a lot of this is a lot of smoke and mirrors out of agent. I really think he wants to be a Titan. So let's not get too crazy over it. It's just what the agent's mentality is through these negotiation processes, obviously, is what I'm thinking. Because they're all three kind of do the same thing here other than Debo demanding the trade. Uh, second point, going with that trade, um, we need to get AJ signed before Debo is traded. Because as soon as he's traded, he's going to sign a mega contract. Yeah. Um, and then we're going to have to match that contract. Because AJ Brown and Debo Samuel are practically the player, um, how their, their skill set anyway. We could use AJ the way the 49ers use uh, Debo. We would kill him. We would kill him, but we could do it, yeah. We could, I mean, he is dead that skill of a player where he could get the ball out of the backfield like Debo does all the time and uh, get down the field. And that's why Debo has some injury issues because they use him the way they do. He gets, he might get, you know, anywhere from 15 to 20 touches a game. And that's a lot for anybody. I mean, especially when you're, if you're not Derrick Henry more than, or Jonathan Taylor, these guys are just built thick, you know, and Debo's built big, but he's not a Derrick Henry or Jonathan Taylor size back or player. He's going to get some injuries in there, man. And, you know, especially the way he plays and he cuts. and He's so he's so aggressive and wants to hit. Same way with AJ. So, yeah. I think whatever their contract – whatever contract he signs, whether that be with the Jets or everybody – of course, the Jets want all four of these guys. Uh, the Chiefs, you know, that's been – I don't see that happening. Whoever he ends up going, New England, you, any of these wide receiver needy teams are going to sign the guy. They're going to give him, at a minimum, I would say, $23 million a year with 60 guaranteed, I would say. So we got to get in before that so we can guarantee A.J. a little less and get him more incentive-laced because we're going to get the better contract. And I'm hoping J-Rob is really working hard to do that because we got to get this guy in camp and get him ready for the season. And uh, I think that's two major things you got to look at here. A lot of this is smoke and mirrors. Like I said, I know he's removed his Tennessee from his unpendies tweet about being a Titan for life, yada, yada, yada. That is just what they're doing to show disgruntledness and get it out out there so they get him signed quicker. And that's just my opinion on it. I think AJ stays forever. I just he's got that mentality that he's a very loyal type person. And I just really see him staying with Tennessee as long as the Titans will have him and as long as you know he keeps producing. So I think it I think I see, I say us getting it done before the draft. I really do because you've got to get it done before the draft actually, you know, because at twenty six really depends on this contract situation because if AJ is, you know, gets worse than what it is now, and you know he's demanding a trade at some point, like Debo is, which let's all hope and pray that it doesn't get to that point. Twenty six is that got to be wide receiver then, right? So yeah. we got to get the guy signed before the draft, I would say, and I'm, I think J. Rob and company is going to get it done. But uh, you know, me and Asher are both really looking 
into this from the outside. You know, we don't know exactly what's going on inside, whatever, because we just see what comes on the social medias. I think it gets done, and, uh, you know, let's just move on from that. You know, I think AJ's – I think a lot of this is a worry from nothing, so quit reading yeah, these I, crazy Twitter people are putting on, on there and you I know, gotta feed in all that. I got to say, though, that this – you know, and a lot of people are, you know, kind of – saying a lot of negative shit towards AJ Brown. Talk about how big of a genius this agent is though. Like, you know, from, you know, from the other end of the spectrum, you know, not from the, from the team's standpoint of it, he's kind of twisted. He's digging his claws and he's got all three of these receivers, you know, they're all rep by the same guy. And, you know, he's kind of twisting the knife right now. Uh, he, he had his, all the players have all of the leverage right now because Debo Samuel requesting a trade, is so bad for the rest of the NFL in terms of, in terms of like other GMs, it's really putting the pressure on San Francisco and everyone else, because now there's more urgency to sign him now or get capital. Like as the deadline's approaching, somebody's going to offer, somebody is yep. going to offer. And you know, that's big time, big indicator now for Jarrell. He's like, Oh shit. You know, if Debo is requesting a, a trade here, Somebody's going to give up some draft capital. We're sitting at 26. We're not sitting that pretty. You know, we're going to have to make some moves. We're going to get one of these premier guys to replace AJ. And I think the only guy that would have a similar kind of effect on the game, the two guys really, I think that, you know, are similar to AJ Brown in this, in this class um, are Drake London and, and Traylon Burks. And so, but I don't think either one of them are realistically going to be there at 26. So, you know, it's, there's a lot of moving, you know, chess pieces here. And I, that's why I'm pretty – I'm not too worried about it because J-Rob is he's an incredible GM. He will figure out a way to do this. He will he will sit down, talk to AJ, and say, look, we're going to give you this number. This is what we're going to give you. Trust us, and we'll make it work. And, you know, and then you can convert so much of that into a signing bonus, get it off the cap. It's not going to affect it. There's a multitude of ways that can do this. The money, the money is not a problem. But, yeah, you, you know, going, into that, going into that money not a problem. Guys, you got to realize next year we can get Tannehill off this. We we could be in a rookie contract. Uh, we're going to go into talking about that a little later. In my points, but next year, if you just look at the money, don't be worried about the money situation because if Tannehill doesn't, if Tannehill doesn't um, produce this year at a level that he needs to do, he could be off the cap. We can be in a rookie deal contract with a quarterback or a bridge quarterback at that point, and the money's going to work. So let's not worry about. Just get the guy paid and get him what he's worth. But let's let's move on here. Um, we we want to talk about a little bit about the past here. I mean, we don't want to dwell on it or not. But I just got uh, – it was reading into this Mike Malarkey stuff, and he's kind of taking credit for what Vrabel's built here, Asher. Yeah, fuck Mike Malarkey. All right. <laughs> Let's just let's just let's just say how we feel. I know I know Tyler doesn't curse and I respect that, but that doesn't mean I can't. All right. Fuck Mike Malarkey. All right. This guy is a little snake in the grass, is what Connor Connor McGregor would say. He's a little snake. He's a little weasel. All right. Mike Malarkey didn't do shit. All right. First of all, he inherited an incredible twenty sixteen draft class. And he just couldn't figure out a way to score points. In 2016, when the Titans made the playoffs for the – or 2017, I believe, 2017, sorry. When they made the playoffs, um, Mike Malarkey was – there are only a handful of coaches that have been fired after leading their team to the playoffs, all right, in, in their first year as a full-time head coach. And Mike Malarkey is one of them. 
They knew that if they kept down this road, it was going to be the same exact mindset of Tennessee Titans of old, yeah. where you drive down the field, you run, run, pass, run, run, pass, run, run, pass, punt, flip the field, run, run, pass, get in the red zone, kick a field goal, kick a field goal, hope to win 12 to 6 kind of bullshit, all right? There was no – they were wasting Marcus Mario. They were getting him killed. Um, wasting Derrick Henry as well. Remember my wasting, They him. put him on the trade block, I believe. Imagine that. Four years ago, Derrick Henry was on the trade block. Um, DeMarco Murray was taking all his care. DeMarco yeah, was a nice DeMarco, player, but it was not Derrick Henry. And then they brought in uh, Deion Lewis, and he was taking carries away. Oh, my God. Yeah, but no. no. Mike Malarkey's taking credit for something. He might have – he got the engines to a Corvette, and he was driving five miles an hour on the interstate. Let me read right. this quote from him on uh, the article that – I don't I want to quote the article, but I don't have it in front of me. I, I'm looking through our text messages, what I sent you. Let me read this quote for the you guys. Okay. It's, this is Mike Malarkey talking. He said, our staff there, we did the hard part of building that thing because the franchise was in disarray and, tur- and the Turner NFL franchise completely around into a competitive team that believed they can win every week was a serious credit to the staff that I had. I'm very proud of what they're doing now, but I think we did the hard part to get them where they are now. He thinks he did the hard part to get them where they are now. <laughs> they got curb stomped by the Patriots in the next round of the playoffs. They got absolutely smacked. They scored a touchdown to go up 7 nothing, and they got blown out. It was, the division it was, was horrible. Of the, and the, two, the two years Mike Malarkey was our head coach, the division was hor- horrible, too. You got to remember that. We, with Jags and Texans, was really, really bad then. Uh, the Colts had Andrew Luck, but they were they were not what they are now as far as roster wise. So you got to remember that we did make the playoffs at nine and seven, nine seven. We did make the wild card, but we had four easy wins too there. And I mean, the roster was built and built nice, but this roster didn't take off and get really its edge and its culture and unlocking these superstar players until Mike Vrabel got there. Yeah, so. I agree. And also another thing that that you know needs to be added in here, Mike Malarkey was the head coach that was – he was hired at the same time John Robinson was. John yeah. Robinson did not hire Mike Malarkey, all right? Yeah. The, he was already hired by the time – they got introduced at the same time. And let me tell you one thing right now. John Robinson, if you go back and look at the pictures from their intro together, John Robinson looks so unhappy that he's the head coach. And I think for a very good reason – I think J-Rob J- – you know, for, that was his best class, 2016. That's the class everybody talks about. You know, nobody, that, that, nobody liked that pick. None, the fan base, the, the, I don't think they felt the temperature of the fan base at that time. None of us wanted Mike Millard. What was he, like two and eight 14. or something? As, it was yeah. something terrible as an interim head coach. And they yeah. went ahead and hired him. So, Yeah. yeah. Um, and then J-Rob drafted that incredible 2016 draft class. He was a part of that. And, oh, my God, dude, look at that. Derrick Henry, um, Kevin Byard, Kevin Byard. Good Lord. I mean, they're two all pros right there. You, you know, a successful draft class is when you get a pro bowler out of it and maybe three or four starters. He got two all pros out of the same draft class. All right. That's insane. That is insane. And then, you know, he knows to unlock their potential. He's got to get rid of – he's got to get rid of Malarkey. Malarkey would have – Conklin kept... was in that class too, right? Yeah, he was our – I believe he was our first-round draft pick. Yeah, we picked him at 10, I believe, that, that year. He was right? a great yeah. pick as well. He was an all-pro as a rookie – or a pro bowler as a rookie. He was all-pro um, as a – he was the first-team all-pro right tackle that year. I remember that, yeah. Yeah. 
So, I mean, he had three all pros in one draft class. Couldn't keep them all, but, you know, movement. And, you know, fuck Mike Malarkey. All right? He didn't do anything. <laughs> he got fired from something. That's like being the worst scientist on discovering the cure for cancer. Well, you guys, know, you, you get... want to see why we're so angry not to cut you off, actually, but I want to make make sure we made the point. We're just kind of talking about how him trashing the, the franchise. But the whole point of this article was he's trying to, like, uh, shame the organization because of the Rooney rule. And, and John Robinson and whatnot, because he actually name-dropped John Robinson in that article when, to Asher's point earlier, they were introduced together. So he wasn't part of that interviewing process. He may have been, but the decision had already been made. So let's get John Robinson out of that, and let's not – I mean, I hadn't made a big Twitter controversy yet over it. So we just want to touch base on that and make sure you guys understood what we was talking about before we went on move forward on the podcast. Yeah, and you know, like I'm glad you did cut me off because that analogy that I had was probably going to go to a bad place. It would not have been received very well. <laughs> uh, but you know, moving on. Speaking of J. Rob, let's get to what he does absolutely best. All right, and um, let's talk about not only just the first round draft pick, uh, but let's let's kind of go a little bit deeper here because it may not be a first round draft pick. Tennessee might not be picking in the first round. Um, and with that being said, uh, God, I, I'm telling you now, I think I texted you this. I think with the Colts signing Stephon Gilmore, I, I think that we're 100% drafting receiver now. You cannot leave A.J. Brown and a still-recovering Robert Woods to, um, to just try and, and beat those corners because now they have two good corners. They have a good linebacker and a good front four. Um, their, their, their defense is not as good as Tennessee's, and it never will be. Um, Tennessee's defense is just – I mean, you saw what they did in, in the playoffs. Uh, I don't care what kind of offensive, offensive line you put up there. Tennessee's going to get sacks now. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, um, I think we've got to go receiver now. And I, to be honest with you, at this point, 26, I've been seeing – there's a lot of hype going around these receivers now. Um, Drake London's going to be a top-10 draft pick, if not number 10. Um, Jamison Williams probably going to get drafted by the Saints because they don't have anybody over there, and Michael Thomas doesn't want to play for them anymore. That leaves Traylon Burks, Jahan Dotson. Um, I'm missing somebody. The kid from Kentucky. Both Ohio State kids. Kid from Kentucky, Wendell Robinson. Man, he's going to be good. Uh, I can already tell you he's going to be good. Um, but, you know, you, but at 26, you know, you're reaching to take a, win, a Wendell Robinson. You're reaching to take one of the, uh, that Christian Watson guy. You're uh, you're reaching to take what is his name Justin Ross, mm-hmm. uh, I think that's what his name uh, is. Clemson. Yeah, yeah, who I think is going to be an absolute stud, um, fourth round draft pick steal for J. Rob right there. Uh, you know, you're you're reaching for these kinds of players. So with that being said, I think if Jahan Dotson should be the, I think he's going to be an absolute monster. Dotson out of Penn State, you could t- you turn on the tape of any Penn State game and he stands out. All right, he is good. He's not as big, but man, he is stick. His hands are sticky. He doesn't drop the ball. He gets open constantly. Everybody knows he's getting the ball, and he still gets open. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think if Dotson's off the board, man, you, you got to trade that pick. You got to trade into the second round. You got to pick up a third rounder for next year, um, and a fourth rounder this year. And then I think you have to start targeting. You know, maybe trading that second round pick, moving back again into the second round and getting a collection of more picks until you get to a point to where you can take a Christian Watson and feel okay with that. Um, yeah, that's why. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 
I think that's how the Titans are probably going to do this, but you can never tell. I mean, there might be somebody on their board they love so much that's completely off the radar for us position-wise, and they might take them. So, I mean, making my prediction on what's going to happen, yeah, I think that would be the best-case scenario, what you're saying. Um, of course, if Trevor Pennon doesn't fall to us, because you never know where he is on other people's boards, that, that's my that's my pick, and that's who I want. I've been saying that for the last month. That's who I would want the Titans to get regardless, because the Titans still run a lot of 11 personnel. There's only usually two receivers on the field, so it doesn't really concern me a whole lot, the third receiver. We need it, but it doesn't concern me as much as our left tackle does or our right tackle. And, uh, excuse me, right tackle. Instead of the ones that left tackle locked down. Uh, um, so that's what really concerns me is pass rush. We talked about Stephon Gilmore being out there. He's a little older, longer in the tooth, so I'm not not so concerned about him. You know, the Colts always sign these old guys. That, but he's got their prime. He right. adds depth. He does. And then, but we're forgetting also that the Colts went out signing Nick and Gakwe. So we got to protect that right side, you know, because uh, he's coming. He's so also I, old, too. He is. And we know a little bit in the unique and Gawkway since he did play for the Jaguars. So these guys know how to block that guy up a little bit. But if it were me and Trevor Pennon sitting there at 26, I'm taking him. If not, if not, I agree with Asher here. Unless one of these guys in the draft fall, one of these first-round caliber receivers fall to us. Because you never know. Uh, people thought Mac Jones was going to be drafted in the top five last year. A lot of people did, you know. They thought he'd be one of the top three quarterbacks. He fell all the way to the Patriots. So you never can tell these how these drafts go. You never know what their boards are. We might end up with a stud receiver at 26. Who knows? But I think best-case scenario is what Asher said. We'd probably trade back because I don't see Penning being there either, according to most of the mocks, because he's not getting past the Steelers, I don't believe. And we're not taking a fucking linebacker. Yeah, we're not taking a linebacker. That's that's ludicrous. So we're not taking – we we could possibly take a corner. I can see that. You know, I don't know for sure. We're losing Jackrabbit. We really haven't replaced Jackrabbit yet. But because um, I, I guess they're thinking Kyler Fall is going to be there, but we don't have a lot of depth at corner right now either. So, I mean, I can see that. Maybe we'll take corner later rounds. If there's if there's number one corner still on the board at 26, I can see that happening. But I don't – I can't say what J-Rob's going to do, but if it were me, I would probably trade it back like Asher said as well. So, that's yeah. where I'm at on it. Um, yeah, and, you know, that kind of moves into our next topic. And it's it, – I want to phrase this a different way than it is with our, our, our itinerary. Our itinerary. Um, what? How, in your mind, Tyler, can the Titans win on draft day? And by win, I mean hit as many as possible. You know, it's it, the draft is kind of like battleship. You know what I mean? You've got all these different, you know, great caliber players, it, it, but it, it's a game of kind of chess mixed with battleship. You you got to maneuver your way into getting somebody that you have on your board, but you don't want to know. You don't want other people to know how you're going to get them or who you're targeting. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of like that. But, like, you know, I just kind of want to pick your brain here. And uh, how, in your mind, can Tennessee win on draft day? If I were John Robinson this year, with how the roster is set up, if you're not taking – and we didn't mention this either. There's a lot of buzz about Desmond Ritter becoming the Tennessee Titans. Yeah, okay. too much. Too much. Okay, if that happens – you know, I just want to backtrack before I answer the question. Desmond Ritter is going to be the starter probably next year if he gets picked at 26. So just just have that in the back of your mind, guy. There is a lot of traction. Apparently, Vrabel really likes him because he's he's good buddies with Fickle. Look, Fickle's yep. the quarterback, the coach at uh, Cincinnati, and they really like him. And J. Rob listens to Mike Vrabel. And if Mike Vrabel loves Luke Fickle, I mean Luke Fickle, uh, Desmond Ritter, 
he's going to be drafted at 26. I mean, if he's and it's and people might not like that, but you know that's just we got to trust the process. You never know. I mean, Desmond Ritter might turn out to be a great. A lot of this is guessing anyway. He might turn out to be a really good game managing quarterback that doesn't throw three interceptions in a divisional round. That's that's just all I'm saying about that. But how the Titans could win this draft this year based on what the roster is for just next year, in my opinion, is taking the best available player at each pick. You know, I mean, uh, number one, we got to get wide receiver addressed. Or we got to get wide, right tackle addressed. But if I were J-Rob, I would take best available player, regardless of position, other than linebacker and possibly in safety. Because I don't think you can improve there anywhere, anyway. But best available, uh, some of these guys are getting old. Our roster is really deep, and it's good. Um, I think we do need a wide receiver three or a right tackle. But I would still, I mean, if you really, really got a stud guard there at 26 you love, why not take him, you know, because this roster is still good. If you got a stud, other than running back also as well. I would take any position group other than linebacker safety in the first round best overall player on your board. That's what I would be taking this year. If it were me, I, based on the situation we're in. My perfect draft scenario looks something like this. Um, at 26, my, my what I think the best case scenario would be at 26 for us, and um, there are three players at 26 I think that could go, but I that I think I would be okay with. But my overall favorite, at 26, and this is this has changed a lot, um, would be Traylon Burks. He fits exactly Love what – he is just like A.J. Brown. Similar, mm-hmm. big-bodied guys that are going to win at the point of attack. Not so as explosive. Not as explosive. As not AJ, as but. explosive, no. But, you know, he can do the dirty work, those seven-yard slants and take them 20 yards. Um, you know, and he fits the mold of what it means to be a Titan. Um, so I would love Traylon Burks at 26. I would good, love – I would Jay, love. He got a good Juju comp there, I think. You know, yeah. we thought we were going to get out of Juju if we signed him. Traylon Burks is really similar to him. I like that. I would I would love Traylon Burks. I would love Penning, and I would be okay with Jameson Williams at 26, all three of those. The reason why Penning, like you said, book in the right tackle for the next five to seven years easily. Um, don't have to worry about it. Kind of like what's happened with Taylor Lewan. And then, you know, the reason for Jamison Williams is the potential. Oh, my God. He's, he would make our offense where you have A.J. Brown who can do the, the, the slants across the middle. You could run heavy play action with Derrick Henry fake with A.J. Brown running across the middle and Jamison just taking the top off with the safety. And he also can be in the return game, you know, which is incredible. He could be like Odell Beckham was when he was with the Giants his first couple of years for the, with, for the Titans. Um, so that's what I'm thinking at 26. Then, and now this is where I would lose a bunch of people here. I would trade our 2023 second round draft pick for one this year. And I would, I would also throw in a fourth rounder at some point next year um, to get into the second round. I would love, love to get somewhere in like that 45 to 47 range. And then, you know, let's say we get pinning. Uh, say somehow pinning falls to us. Then we have to address wide receiver here. And, you know, this might be considered a reach for most people, but you got to keep in mind, Tennessee's picking 90. That's our, we're going from 26 to 90, mm-hmm. all right? That's 54 draft spots – or sorry, 66 draft spots in between each other. Um, 
if we can get anywhere between 47 and 50, um, I would take Wondell Robinson, book it right now. It, it, it be wide receiver three, slot wide receiver, book him, put him in there right now. And then you got your right tackle. You got your wide receiver problem fixed right there, in my opinion. And then from then on out, the rest of the draft, the entire rest of the draft, you kept your third rounder at 90 in this hypothetical. You gave up one of your comp picks in the fourth round. Then at 90, you address, you address the shit out of offensive line. I mean, you're adding depth on depth on depth here. I'm taking Dylan Parham out of Memphis. I'm taking, um, you know, anybody, anybody at this point. And then fourth rounder, with your, with your original fourth rounder, not your comp, you take a cornerback. You take a flyer on the corner. And then from then on out, you just draft best player available. I mean, the amount of times that I've been seeing that that, – the amount of drafts that I've been seeing that where Trey McBride has fallen on the drafts, I wouldn't mind him being taken in the second round if we move up. If we move up to like 57, yeah, sure, take Trey McBride at 57. You know, or Wittemeyer, the guy had a horrible pro day, but he plays a lot better than he does at the pro day. Everybody saw him play in the SEC for Texas A&M. Guy's a stud. That's my perfect scenario – it all depends, though. I have a scenario for each of those three. If you take Jamison Williams, you obviously address defensive or offensive line the rest of the draft, corner, fourth rounder, yada, yada, yada. Um, you take pinning, you have to move into the second round and take a wide receiver. You have to. There's just no way around it. And then if you take Traylon Burks, you sit to the third rounder. Third round, you start taking offensive line depth. I, I would love if we got Traylon Burks. I think also I would be okay with Jahan Dotson at 26. I would love that because he's not going to be there at 35 or anywhere else. I think he's going to be gone between 26 and 35. Uh, but that, that's kind of where I am. So you, I could go either way on any of those, and I could be completely wrong on all of them. That's, that's the beauty of it. That's the, Look at that. Yeah. Jinx. Okay. Yeah, I love that. My, my favorite thing you said there was if we get back in the second round and end up with Wondell Williams or, um, yeah, Wondell Robinson. I would love that. I mean, I think I wanted Elijah Moore last year. I wanted to draft him in the first round over the Caleb, over Caleb Farley. That's what I wanted. And if we could if we could address that this year with one, I think Wanda Robinson is going to be a better pro than Elijah Moore. And and maybe because where Elijah Moore's at, he's having to play with Zach Wilson in the Jets offense. But uh, if that's my favorite pick, you said that at twenty six. You know, whoever we get, I think is going to turn out to be a, a good pick there. Uh, because these guys, all three of those guys are good fits for the Titans. Uh, but if we could end up with Rondell Robinson in the second round, if if we end up, if we don't draft 26 or wide receiver, I'd love that. So, yeah, I, I like what you said. And if we could do that, I would be happy with that draft. Um, but, guys, another thing, you know, you look at the draft and you can get mad about it, but none of us really know what's going to happen. I mean, this is – we love the draft. It's a big speculative, speculative event that everybody loves to watch, you know, and be a part of. But – we don't want to really know what these guys do until they get uh, that two-tone blue on them and get out there on Sundays and show us. We're so, still going to uh, buy the jerseys. We're still going to watch the games. Everybody trust J-Rob. Relax. Yeah, relax. Trust J-Rob. This is what he does best. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, guys, that's, that's been another edition of the uh, Talking Two-Tone uh, here with Asher. Uh, Asher, if you ain't got anything else, man, let's go ahead and close this thing up. I'll be live from Vegas next week, baby. I'll be in Vegas for the draft, and I will be staying until twenty. The twenty-six pick is announced. I will not be leaving <laughs> anywhere. I'll be. I can't guarantee that I'll be sober, but I will be there, and I will be in wearing at least two jerseys: one for an offensive player and one for a defensive player. 
and I will be just sitting my happy little ass down somewhere watching. And I'm and waiting hope- for you. You better be on camera. I got. I might paint her up. It might get all of my chest hair, but I might do it. Do it. But other than that, dude, tighten up. It's an exciting time to be a Tennessee Titans fan. That's right. Tighten up, people.